roll it. You're listening to the Church Mag Podcast, a podcast where we talk church tech, media and creativity, and new thinking. Our heart is to see a thriving church. In this episode, I, Blessing Bofu, speak to Chris Wilson about how he puts together the amazing guides that he's so good at. Whether it's a video or written long-form blog post, Chris has this amazing ability of simplifying sometimes even the most complex things. And I think this is super helpful, especially if you're going to document things within your church or organization. And after my conversation with Chris, hang around because I've got two things I think are worth your attention. In the case of a church, I can see a use case where you need to document something. Uh, I think I've written about document the importance of documenting in media, church media, church tech space. In fact, in any way in church life or organizational life, it's good to say, especially something that involves other people that somebody else might even have to take over from you. It's important for it to be all documented so it's easy. It could be incorporated in your training manuals. It could be something that someone else makes use of when you're away. So that's kind of like the use case I was thinking in that. Yeah, I think um, I think this is like partially just my general approach to writing is the kind of document as you learn type thing. There's several benefits I've experienced from that. One is is just that you really help work out what you know or something like this, uh, so that if you are if you've learned something or you've discovered something, you tried something, and then if you write about it, then it really does help reinforce that. You remember it better. You have to yeah. think about how you can tell someone what you did and so on. And then connected to that, there's the benefit that other people benefit from it. And I, I really like this quote from Derek Sivers, idea that what's, mm-hmm. uh, what's normal for you is awesome for someone else. Sit ordinary for you, amazing for someone else. I think that was his, he did a blog post on that. There's a video on it. It's in his book, Anything You Want, I think it is. And like, I really think about that a lot. Like this idea that uh, the things that we take for granted, like especially basic knowledge of a topic, there are people out there who don't know those the basics or haven't had that idea. And you just sharing a really simple thing that you discovered could be revolutionary for someone else. You know, that's something that I just take for granted either because I've learned it already or, or because it's my perspective that could be really useful or and groundbreaking for someone else. And, and we tend to forget once you've walked a certain journey about how difficult it is or it can be creating something or solving something. Once something has become normal for us, we, we forget that normal isn't normal for everybody. You know, sometimes I, I catch myself thinking, but why didn't you... Why didn't you just do that? Like, you should have known. <laughs> you know, Ingrid, she, goodness, she really does a lot of work on me. She says, well, just because you know doesn't mean everybody else knows. And just because it's easy for you doesn't mean it's easy for everybody else. So I really like this idea of making it, um, making things accessible and reinforcing. What process do you go through, uh, Chris? Like, what are the steps that you that you take? So I think like everything starts with with writing of some form, form or the other. One of the real things that helped me with writing was doing an outline 
process where I just kind of break down having an outline and having a structure just you just break it down into sections and then you can focus on the section and what do you need to tell in this section and, and have it done there so I think the first step is kind of think of a topic think of something to share or a general idea uh, and then create that outline where there's an intro which kind of says why generate some interest in in the topic what problem this solves perhaps links to something else that you if you need some like pre-existing knowledge before you can do this thing maybe link to that and then kind of just step by step what you need to do i did see an article which really kind of gave me a fresh perspective on how to do some of these how-to guides and he wrote this article where it was like how to create a distraction-free iphone or something or smartphone or something like this Wow. And uh, Mm -hmm. what I loved about the article was uh, he goes, you know, there are some people who you can read the title and that's enough for you and you can just go off and do it. Great. There are other people who perhaps want some more principles that I use to inform my choices. That's in the next section. And then there are other people who want to follow a step-by-step guide and stuff like this. That's in the third section. Uh, I try and think about that when approaching something where, so I'll give an example. Like I did these a couple of uh, articles about WordPress things recently, just just for fun, uh, because I realized Uh you could make a like link tree replacement using WordPress. And uh, Mm -hmm. I bet that for some people, they can see that title and just be like, yeah, I could do this. Fine. And go and do it. And then for other people... Yeah, so it just gives them an idea. They're like, oh, I hadn't thought about doing that, so let me go do it because they know. So the title itself could be an inspiration for someone to just go execute or to go do something else to uh, maybe find out how to do it themselves. And they might even... They might see the title and do it in a completely different way, but in a way that still worked for them, (laughs) which which would be great. Then there are other people who might look at some of the, they might have a few questions, skim through it and see, ah, oh, here's some ideas. And then there are some other people who I need a step-by-step process. Okay, well, think about the links that you need to include here. Uh, what are your top, uh, yes. what are the most interesting blog posts that you've written, which have had the most views or something like this? I, I think if you've got an outline like that, and if you think about like what are the, you know, perhaps also going, what are the questions people are going to ask? What questions might people have? And, and you try and answer those in the article, and that helps with, with doing it. I don't know if there's... Uh, there, there was this uh, experience I had at school. and I, I did an essay, and the teacher said, the problem is that you assume people know what you're uh, n- know what you're talking about uh rather than spelling it out i think yeah i think that really impacted mm. my my thought process for this stuff that i try to not assume yeah so just for my own sake to make sure that i'm following and i'm, and I'm really getting a grasp of some of the things that you're talking about there's more than one person that you're writing for and in your writing at least that, to make it accessible you're writing for the furthest person in the sense that it's like the the person who might actually need that step by step by step by step, you know, walk alongside me, tell me what to click um, kind of person instead of just saying, could change that setting. You actually say, you need to change the setting and this is how you're going to do it. So there's writing that's accessible or even, 
video. I suppose it could even be audio. I suppose the format doesn't really matter. And then the other thing that you that you've just raised now is this idea: is this do not assume that people know. Err on the side of what if what if someone doesn't know? You know, because people have different entry points and and levels of expertise. You also want to make sure that you're not leaving anyone out. So by writing for the person who knows nothing, and then working your way up, at least you know the net is wider. And I think that's usually the case when it comes to churches, organizations, nonprofits. Often the experts, the experts, there's a limited pool of experts. And by making accessible guides, uh, you can actually help someone fulfill a, a, a somewhat complex task because there's a very clear step-by-step way of going, you know, of going through uh you know, whatever you've outlined. The application for documentation is, is so useful. So an example, I used to, you know, used to be a teacher and uh, we had to do registers to keep track of, you know, what material had been covered, uh, what topics had been taught and, um, you know, keeping track of the syllabus, what homework had been set and so on. And you could notice a real difference between teachers. Most Most people, including me many times, uh, we we would you know try and skip through doing the documentation as quickly as possible. You know, just put down brief notes like there might be like grammar topic. This it was this page something like page whatever. That's fine as long as no one actually needs to go off that. But if if the next week uh, you're being covered by another teacher and they look at that. They're not going to understand it at all. Or even yourself, if you come and look back at that, then maybe you're going to be able to remember, oh, yes, it was this activity, this page. Probably you'll need a bit more. So uh, if you try and assume, uh, I was always trying to assume that like someone else will be teaching this class next. I need to give them enough information that they can go ahead and teach the, you know, check all the homework, what exercises, whatever. Uh, and stuff like that. And I, I think that applies to churches as well. If you're documenting a process, yeah. um, you know, you, you have to try and consider what will someone else need to know about it. And, and related to that, like we can often just assume that one step, one massive step is easy and takes no time. But then actually there's like several small parts of it so i ha- i just had to set up an out of office message i was like wait a second how do i do this again and the, the instruction was you know set up an out of office message i went to the uh the like portal to do this where do i go to set this up what do i um what uh what button is it here to do this what information do i need to include in this and and all these extra steps so if you actually kind of, uh, one trick to get around that is if you actually go through the process as you're kind of writing the instructions, and then you can see like every button you clip, uh, uh, click, every setting where it is and stuff like this just really helps to make sure that you don't have, that uh, you don't take things for granted. Like, oh yeah, set up. So I've read your guides that come without any visual aids. Like there's no video or visual to it. Um, and I've just looked at in terms of just the text itself without looking at that. How do you decide um, what you're going to use where, uh, especially where you don't have, like, do you sit down and say, 
this has to be video, I will make a video. Uh, or do you just say, what do I have capacity for? I, I mean, the whole stuff with video has been a thing that started last year. And it was for a few reasons, a few different reasons. One was like to, to develop making videos as a skill because it's quite a useful skill to have. And, you know, it's, it's different from things like photography from, from writing. But there are some like common elements there that could help. But I do think that some some tutorials are better as videos than others. Um, so I, for, I was doing a lot of stuff about sketchnoting over you know, a year ago or something. But to show sketchnoting, that is best done through a video. Uh, an article is okay, but uh, a video is going to show you a lot better how how it actually is in practice and uh, and so is kind of the best medium for that that we have to think about the people who have preferences for different some people have a preference for different mediums and some people would rather read an article which has the same information than watch video other people would rather watch the video and and sometimes you know we can throw audio into that mix as well. There are there are kind of more conceptual topics where you don't necessarily need to look at something, but you might want audio. So yeah. I, I think there's an element now where I'm trying to hit these different bases, where I'm trying to think about how, how can I help someone who wants this information as an article? How can I help someone who wants it as a video? And can I just present it in yeah. those formats? And yeah, I think that's a win for everyone because you have people who prefer one format over another they have it in the option they prefer uh search engines prefer both formats and so you have both which can help uh you appear better potentially you can also make it so that people can jump around and skip to the part in a video if they need to part in the video or, or read the article if they want to reread the instructions or something like that uh but i also really believe in making sure when you write an art if you're doing two forms of media at the same time, like an article and a video, that you make sure that you write the article as an article, uh, not writing it as a transcript or a video. And you make the video as a yeah. video, not turning an article into a video because um, yeah. because there are differences and uh, what works best in video isn't necessarily best in just written form. Maybe to take a few steps back. Uh, I'm just glad that it's a conversation. So, I mean, we can pick pieces up uh, as we go. There are so many simple things in church life, which I discovered when I was pastoring. One of the things that would happen, for example, I wasn't aware, this is weird, you know, I wasn't aware that, for example, certain channels on the desk weren't working. Right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> so because, if there yes. isn't anywhere where it says these channels don't work, then I could potentially end up trying to use those channels and then they're not working. And I waste a lot of time trying to troubleshoot something that just, isn't working what an unrelatable experience 
<laughs> right. <laughs> I know that some of the people listening to this don't have these kind of problems, but you know, the, uh-huh. there's a really weird sound guy thing that we had in our church for a while, where there was basically like a battle going on between the two sound guys and another guy getting caught in the middle. One of them would like, I think he did like a boost on the desk, but he cut it on the box or something like this. And then the other guy did the reverse. Uh, and so, like, they they would always just be like, oh, well, he's boosted this, so I'll just change it. And so the guy in the middle, who wasn't really yeah. so experienced, would always just oh, be like, I don't understand. I don't understand why it's not working this week, or I don't understand why this is so loud this week. I've turned <laughs> it all the way down. And then, like, the other, uh, yeah. what the sound, one of the two sound guys would come in and be like, ooh, it's done wrong, or something like this. I'm yeah. sure they each had like their own reasons or justifications, but that's like a really good when you don't have like a documented procedure or a standard way. And then you don't even, yes. you can't even have that conversation of, I don't think we were doing it the right way, or I don't think your approach is the best. I would say there's that, no like, point of reference. There's no standard. Yeah. Yeah. I would say anything that you do more than once you should document even if it's just for your own personal uh, use. And it doesn't have to be like a fully laid out procedure or something like this. But I do think documenting a thing is like, let's take a pastor as an example. And let's say that they are, they're doing their sermon prep process. Documenting how that works would help them perhaps realize uh, what parts take the longest or what parts uh, they neglect sometimes if there's like a a standard procedure alternatively like uh if they maybe they have a standard procedure when they common things that they try Mm -hmm. and think about common you know if someone's gone through a hard time then they'll try and whatever first i i really don't know because i like that's an area which i'm i'm much more ignorant on but like perhaps like writing that down, that could be a great resource for someone else who's joining a team less experienced in counseling. And then they can say, hey, the, here, here's my document. You know, here's here's what I think about. Here's how I try and uh, go through that. I was actually it, it's interesting that I was I mean, when I started this conversation, I was really just thinking about what does this look like doing it for other people? But when you started off, the first thing you mentioned was just the benefit it is for reinforcing for yourself. And I think that's very valuable. And we're sort of coming that full circle in terms of for my own process to understand, to make sure I'm not missing things and I'm doing things in a way that's consistency. That's what I was looking for. Mm. Consistency can be difficult if it isn't documented in some cases, because it's all about that frame of reference, being able to go back to find out how do we do this? And so it's easy to know you've deviated if you know, if you know what the way is. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's quite helpful. I know, I know I've kind of, I'm not, I know I'm kind of said it in different ways and um, throughout the conversation and even right now, but, but I find that quite helpful. Before we sign off, do you have any like final thoughts? I think like as a final thought, I would just encourage people to to try it if they are unwilling to. And uh, you know, if summer's coming up, maybe that's a great time for churches to do some kind of reviewing of their processes. And this is a great way to start. Just write down what you're doing, get someone to perhaps 
you, you know, you don't even necessarily have to write down. Uh, you could just get Loom and try and do like a five-minute guide. Yeah, of, a video uh, tutorial. Yeah, five-minute, like, here, here's how we add a sermon to the website. Here's how we do church membership review or something like this. Here's how... Yeah. Just yes. little tasks that you do all over the place. Uh, you could use your smartphone to film a quick little guide. Yeah. Liquid chart, that is the one that I'm thinking of. It's kind of like mind mapping, but you can do like an algorithm process. So you could literally like make an algorithm for what you, you, know, what you think about. And wow. yes, do this. No, do that. Yeah. So uh, developers would love mm. that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's flow yeah, maybe just... Uh, yeah. Yeah, do a do a flowchart decision. Simple, simple flowchart. I don't know how we drop the mic on this one, um, but but hopefully this is helpful in in just helping you realize certain areas where you might not have consistency. Maybe you have many people who are involved in doing the same thing, and you're just trying to you know open source how you solve problems uh, together. Maybe maybe that's. Actually, that's interesting. Documenting as a way of open sourcing problem solving in a team, you know, especially where you have different teams that come in. Like I'm, I'm thinking Sundays, some Sundays you have a completely different team compared to the next Sunday. And so this is quite helpful. So um, we'd love to know how, how you document uh, and how you do tutorials and do things in your church or your organization. And if you have any tips to share with the wider community, let us know. In this episode, I thought I'd highlight two podcasts that have such amazing content in terms of causing us, or at least should cause us to be a little more introspective and hopefully get better as the church. The first one is From Christianity Today, hosted by Mike Cosper. And it's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Mike Cosper does an amazing job. Well, he and his team, I think, do an amazing job. In t- and he speaks to many different voices in relation to Mars Hill Church and potentially some lessons we as a church could learn and perhaps maybe some cautionary tales. Either way, I think that it's worth our attention and it's worth us exploring some of what may even be uncomfortable topics. The second podcast is called Saved by the City. Roxanne Stone and Caitlin Beatty co-host this podcast and from time to time hosts uh, different guests. And they share their journey in terms of what it what it's meant for them growing up as evangelicals to where their faith is now. They're vulnerable in terms of the evolution of their faith and how this this has shaped them, not just as individuals, but their worldview and outlook. There are so many things that I identify with them. I doubt that everybody is going to agree with what they say or their perspective or their, or their view, but I really think that they're worth listening to. And for us to understand relevant for church leaders or people involved uh, in spiritual formation, And maybe it might just be somewhere where you find other people who can identify with you in terms of where you are in your Christian walk. The links to these podcasts are in the show notes. Uh, Give them a listen and I'd love to know what you think.
The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. <laughs> There's always like, do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> boo, 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 boo. Final it's thoughts. like, can I, can I get, how can I get a mic drop in here? That's, that's the classic thing, yeah, final <laughs> thoughts. Or, uh, or should I just sum up the whole thing?